This is Let's Talk Money, a podcast about the intimate details of money and the connections we have to it. In this episode, Erica Rajor speaks to Jazdy about her finances. Jazdy is finishing up her college years and is entering a new remote internship. In this discussion, you'll hear them create a plan for her money and how to become financially independent in the near future. I'm doing a remote internship, which of course was not initially remote, but I'm very grateful to still have the opportunity. So I start next week, so that'll be exciting. That's fantastic. How long is the internship? It's actually quite long. I'm starting next week, and then I don't finish until early to mid-September. So it's pretty much my entire summer. Okay, so you're in school right now. You are, what year are you finishing? I have one more quarter at my university, but so technically I actually just had my graduations because I graduated with the class of 2020, but I still have to finish up one more quarter. So um, technically an incoming senior, but I've kind of graduated. Technically graduated. (laughs) So, you know, given, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm also a professor at Maryville University in St. Louis, and one of the most heartbreaking things was not being there to have the formal graduation ceremony and see, you know, all of the students I've come across along the way get that, that final ring of freedom, if you will, into <laughs> adulthood and, mm-hmm. and share in their joy and celebration of that. And I think for students in general, especially you in the position you're in close to being graduated, technically, you know, we've got, you know, one more quarter to finish up, but starting an internship, especially in a very uncertain, you know, economic time, you know, nationally Mm -hmm. and globally, Mm -hmm. it's, it can be very frightening. Are you feeling frightened or concerned about your future going forward? Definitely. Something I always Something that, you know, people always say is that election years, election years, there's usually like some sort of oncoming downturn in the the economy. And so I had already been kind of anticipating, you know, things being, you know, looking for employment post-grad is always, you know, a journey, I feel, from what I've heard. But I was already expecting some sort of, you know, obstacles, but with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, it's something that's definitely been on my mind. And I definitely feel among my peers, I think, you know, postponing employment and in favor of going into some sort of post-grad education has definitely been on a lot of people's minds lately. But for me personally, I am quite adamant against that because I, even if I do want to go to grad school, I don't know what for. And so I would prefer to, you know, get experience first. So suffice to say, I'm definitely concerned about what this will look like for me in terms of, you know, finding a job, finding a career and getting myself set up. Absolutely. I I do feel the class of 2020 has easily had more challenges. (laughs) than the average graduate. I mean, not only do we have COVID-19, you're absolutely correct. We do have an election year, which is always crazy, you know, and and, I mean, it, you know, election years obviously influence the stock market, but, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of our, you know, just general 
the social unrest. We have so Mm -hmm. many things going on right now that have taken Mm -hmm. precedence Mm -hmm. and they're all very important things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are experiencing, you know, as a nation, as, you know, members of, you know, the, the, the global, you know, human race, we're experiencing just so much change. And one of the things I think is most important in situations Mm -hmm. like this is embracing change because embracing change ultimately, if you do it well, and if you do it thoughtfully and you do it authentically, it can and will bring you closer Mm -hmm. to whatever goals you have, despite whatever perceived challenges might be in your way. And it's, it's a little bit deeper than, you know, me just telling you to go with the flow. I could tell you that all day long and mm-hmm. roll your mm-hmm. eyes at me because, <laughs> you know, I, I would imagine there's, there's people who have told you that, but it's truly about embracing change and, and understanding um, what that means for you. And it, it means shifting your expectations. And so what I want to do yeah, now is definitely. I want to talk a little bit about your background and learn more about your upbringing and, you know, some of those concerns you have in terms of your personal financial situation. Obviously your employment as, as a new graduate is extremely important, an extremely important piece, you know, towards, you know, that, that building block of, I don't know, you know, just making a living and, you know, paying your bills, but so much of, (laughs) so much of that embracing change piece to bring you closer to your financial goals is truly about understanding where you've come from and how we translate that into Mm. where you would like to go and establishing truly your expectations going forward. So, so tell me a little bit Mm -hmm. about about you, about some of the financial mentors you have in your life and some of those financial lessons you've, you've learned growing up, not in any particular order. Okay. Um, (laughs) my background, I am the youngest of three siblings. My, my family, my father first immigrated, I believe in the early nineties. And then it took a while for my my mother and my brother and my sister to then be reunited here in the States. They immigrated from the Philippines. And my parents come from a very, not, I wouldn't say like incredibly humble. I definitely think my parents both had the opportunity to get a college degree in the Philippines, bachelor's, but they grew up in a more rural part of the country. So my dad like grew up on a farm and you know, the towns there are incredibly small. Everyone knows each other. And so definitely my mom had moved to then Manila for a while, which is the capital. But then moving here to California, to San Francisco and, you know, to the Bay Area, you know, being so young, I don't remember a lot of this, but I know that there was, of course, some financial hardship to adjust to, you know, life here in America, life here in the States. So growing, I don't remember, I don't, I wasn't, you know, conscious of a lot of the things that had gone prior to, you know, me entering this world. But my mom works as an accountant. So she's very, very literate when it comes to, you know, personal finance and financial matters. I think this might be, and I've realized growing up that this is probably not very typical, especially for 
a kid of an of immigrant parents because I find that a lot of my friends are the ones, you know, helping their parents, you know, translate forms for, you know, FAFSA or, you know, helping them figure out who to contact to do their taxes, where in my case, my mom actually does the family's taxes on her own and, you know, doesn't go to some third party. So growing up, it was always instilled in me to, you know, save Actually, when I had my very first job, it was an internship um, my junior year of high school. My parents said that, and this is, I guess, kind of a superstition, but the very first paycheck I had, they said to save that um, and never touch that amount of money because then no matter what happens, you always have that first paycheck, that first amount of money that you had earned in your bank account. So as I've grown older, it's only been a couple of years, of course, since high school. Um, I'm not too, I'm not too old, but, <laughs> but every time I've had a job, I've always made sure to, you know, save money. And yeah, uh, I guess so for financial mentors, I guess it's really my mom because, you know, she's the one, like if I have to deposit something in the bank, she'll usually, do it for me or I'll go with her to do it. She's the one who I would go to the bank to, you know, get a checkbook or to set up my first credit card, my first debit card. It's definitely her in the family who I look to in terms of financial matters or money, issues of money. But it hasn't really translated to my own literacy in personal finance. It's so funny. When I was growing up, there was this CD-ROM game that was based on a book, I believe, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you've heard of it. But yeah, it was, it was actually the very, very first book I've ever read is like a, in, in my field. <laughs> that was the one that just, it changed my my life. I mean, it's, it's very, very interesting. <laughs> You know, and in terms of if we're talking mentorship, I mean, you can't get more clear cut on a book in terms of mentorship than Rich Dad Poor Dad by Kiyosaki. Yeah. So that book, I have not read the book, but there was a CD-ROM game that my parents had purchased and it's meant for kids, right? But it was, and they had my siblings and I all play it, but it was this game about personal finance, like there was you as a player and you were trying to, you know, buy a house and then you were also trying to invest. And at the time, you know, I was the youngest of all three siblings. So I had no idea what was going on. Sure. <laughs> but but just playing the game, I think, made me more exposed to the weight that money, like, I guess the importance of having your own money in in life and knowing what to do with it and knowing what it means and when to use it, how to use it. I think just that kind of exposure is probably something a lot of kids, especially at that age, were not exposed to or aware of. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. You had mentioned that you were notoriously known in your family for not exactly being the most financial literate, financially yeah. literate. Would you would you expand on that for me? I'm I'm curious. I guess this is more. I guess this goes to my lack of attention to detail. I'm very much someone who forgets things or overlooks things, which is why I always joke to my mom that I can't be an accountant. My mom would also agree because. Um, 
being very detail oriented with my with numbers with and especially when it comes to money for some reason I just can't bring myself to be very focused and take the time to you know really pay attention to you know the minute details I know like in high school education or at least in mine I had our version of home economics or which was life management but also you know in our health education I believe we had exposure to you know budgeting you know what is a credit card what is debit card what are savings what is your checkings and although like I obviously passed those classes and I guess I've retained a bit of it a lot of it I guess went through one year and out the other and I would say I guess I wouldn't say that like anyone particular that I know of my own age would really understand like things in like a tax form unless it's you know one of my friends who's in accounting but I guess that's something I always strive to have because of my mom and the work that she does and even my sister who also has a degree in economics I always felt that it was important, but it was never something I guess I prioritized. And why do you think it's something you haven't prioritized? You know, I think before I have you answer that question, one of the things I find very common, and it's not just common among college students or, you know, people mm-hmm. of your age, it's, it's, you know, really kind of across all ages, is that when we label ourselves Things like, you know, I'm not really attentive to details. You know, things go in one ear and out the other. I don't Mm -hmm. prioritize things. Mm -hmm. Well, we often do that because at that particular juncture in our our life, they aren't necessarily priorities, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you've been, you know, going through school, you're, you're young, you know, your priorities have been what right now? School. <laughs> School. Yeah. You know, and it, and it sounds to me, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me that you have a lot of really strong financial support in terms of mentorship and guidance and actual probably money behind you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very likely that it, it hasn't been at the forefront of your brain because you haven't had to worry about that. Is that a, a correct mm-hmm. assumption? I would definitely agree. I definitely think coming from my background, it's been an incredible privilege to have both someone in the family who is knowledgeable and then also having parents who can provide me with the financial stability so that as a kid, as even as a young adult who is um, in college, I myself don't have to worry about it and prioritize it, like you said. Yeah. And so now you're reaching that stage of your life where you're Mm -hmm. wrapping up your college education. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of external factors out there that we know that you cannot control. You yourself cannot control COVID. You can't (laughs) control the election. You can't control a lot of these things, but what can you Mm -hmm. control? I can definitely control me. (laughs) You. And so the most positive thing I see here, regardless of, you know, whether you think you're, you know, quote unquote, financially literate, or if your family thinks so, anybody who has the desire and the motivation to make their financial future a priority is automatically going to be in a much better position going forward. There would be an issue 
if you were like, okay, well, you know, at this point, you know, I'm just going to graduate. I'm going to see what happens. Um, mm. I'm just going to, you know, live with my parents for a while and, you know, see how that goes and not take any actionable steps. Mm-hmm. That to me is, is the exact opposite of what you are doing. You're, you're seeking people to help. You're seeking resources. You're looking at the, the bigger picture of your financial future as you, you know, embrace these changes going forward. You're not, you're not doing that ostrich move of putting your head in the sand and just like pretending that nothing else is happening. You're, 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 you're taking charge of it. And which is the most important thing. I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. really find themselves, you know, in this conundrum of, you know, financial literacy, you know, in a very literal term, you know, the fact of the matter is, is you could have all of the financial knowledge and be extremely financially literate but does that necessarily mean you are going to be good with your money? Mm. No, because in any other example in life I could give you, we generally know what the right and wrong things are to do, right? Right. We, we know that we should be saving money, but do we? Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And so that, you know, the idea of you, you know, not being financially literate is more of a, a circumstantial issue. It's a more mm-hmm. of what well, I didn't have to do these things. I've gotten a lot mm-hmm. of good information. I know what I should be doing going mm-hmm. forward, but mm-hmm. how, how do I take those, those next steps? And mm-hmm. so when I'm talking about the external factors you can't control and bringing it back to what you can control, mm-hmm. what are the things you feel you can control in terms of your, your financial life? What are the things you can do? In terms of actual habits, especially with my internship this summer, I definitely think saving is a priority for me. And it generally has been every time I've worked. And of course, that speaks to, you know, the financial stability I have here at home. But like you said, me being able to control me out of all the things that are currently uncontrollable and not within my power to you know control I do see that given the time and given my commitment I think educating myself on personal finance and I guess what steps I can take to tangibly make my goals um, come to fruition like you know becoming financially independent eventually moving out of the house those kinds of things that's definitely something I should be willing and I hope to commit myself commit my time and energy into putting more thought into I think absolutely and I do think that you know that thought piece is super important have you taken time to really sit down and think about what your financial goals are? Honestly, no, not really. I think generally it's like very broad. It's very abstract. It's like, you know, I want to, you know, move out of the house eventually. And I hope to have my own home, maybe if that's possible at all in the Bay Area. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Very, very broad goals I feel but I guess I will say this I don't think and I don't think I've ever really thought of this 
and in the sense that it's never been a priority or explicit priority, but I've never really prioritized how much money I would make in whatever career I pursue. I definitely would prefer to do meaning more meaningful work that maybe doesn't pay as much as opposed to, you know, something else, something on the contrary. And so I guess in some ways that's also a financial goal in the sense that I don't want my finance to define, you know, what I do in life and what, especially going into post-grad, what next steps I take into, you know, building whatever career I hope to build. Absolutely. And I think what you said there is is so key to so many people are applicable to to so many people who are listening Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of research out there that shows that the more money you make doesn't necessarily make you a happier person. It just generally mm-hmm. means that you're more inclined to spend more. <laughs> it, you know, there's, there's a, a particular, you know, difference in the pursuit of material wealth mm-hmm. versus, you know, the, the pursuit of, you know, the wealth of, you know, being you know personally and spiritually fulfilled, um, mm-hmm. you know, from, from that direction. And so how, what would you describe as meaningful work to you? I definitely, and this is something I think about a lot, especially now that I'm inching closer and closer to really graduating and leaving college. I, given how how privileged I've been to, you know, have parents who've provided for me, to have been able to go to a prestigious four-year university in California, all of these things I'm incredibly lucky to have. And so I think it would be detrimental to 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 def, to be disloyal to my own beliefs and values and ideals to go into a line of work that isn't essentially doing good for others i don't think that is a good use of the time i've spent in college you know the money that my parents put in to you know send me to such a great school, such a great college, I feel that for me, the meaningful work I do would be defined by, you know, is it providing good change or am I, you know, helping improve other people's lives in some way or the world around me? I definitely think that is a priority for me moving forward. And I believe has always been, I think. I think one of the the biggest things I am hearing right now from you is that it's important for you to do work with that, that aligns with your personal values. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, you are very aware of, you know, the, the privilege you you've had, you know, your, your situation, you were right at the beginning. It's, it's not typical. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've had a lot of really strong mentorship. You've had a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And what what I'm noticing is that it seems that that is doing good for yourself is important. But there's also that additional piece of doing good for, for humankind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And my, my follow-up question to this, because... Generally, I'll, I'll see something along the lines of, 
your response, but also a response of, well, I feel really guilty that my parents gave me all of this. And now, yeah. And so now because I've had all these advantages, Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't pursue what I want because I have to, to make up for it. Like there's some sort of deficit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for that. Are mm-hmm. you, are you feeling that way at all? Is there any sort of guilt associated with, with that? Or is your, your value system so well aligned with the way you were raised and the way you feel as a human that you can, you can comfortably say, no, this was my experience. I recognize that I had a lot of privilege. I value that, but it's also ingrained in me. So I want to pull mm-hmm. that forward. Is that what I'm, I'm more hearing? I definitely think. I maybe at one point, probably when I was younger, I might have felt a little guilty about these kinds of things. But I think at this point, I've matured enough to know that, like you said, that is something I cannot like this is another thing that I cannot change. I can't I did not have control over. Right. And so I think it would honestly, at the end of the day, it, it is a waste of time to, you know, just sit here and think, oh, you know, I feel guilty that I had the life that I have led and the child, the upbringing I've had. And I think something, a lot of it has to do with also the culture I was raised in. Financially speaking, and this really speaks to money, especially in my culture, there's there's these sayings like kapwa or utang na loob. And it's these things speak to, like a literal translation would be like a debt. It's kind of like the debt to the community. It's a very collectivistic mindset that my culture tends to have. And so, for example, something that has been very common, and it's actually something that my parents used to joke about, um, the eldest in the family or the older siblings will, you know, oftentimes sacrifice so that they can start work early, um, start making money so that they can send the younger to college in cases where, you know, there's not enough financial stability for the parents to send to provide on their own without the support of their the elder kids the older kids and so growing up my parents used to always joke that my sister when she was old enough would provide for my tuition to college obviously <laughs> she didn't um, and I'm glad that she didn't but it's I think that's definitely the kind of mindset that I've been raised to have and of course it's not perfect but and like you said, I guess I, I understand why maybe some people do feel this kind of tug and pull, like I can't do what I want. But for me, I guess it works out because what I want is what I want for the greater, the greater, the bigger picture, you know, maybe for the community I come from, for the family that has raised me, because I guess I definitely see myself as not so much, I definitely see myself as an, as an individual, you know, I, I defied my parents and I did not, you know, take up the major and that I, that they probably wanted me to take on, but, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) I still think about how I can give it back or give what I have been given back to the community or, you know, to pay it forward in some way. And so, I definitely think that has been a very big theme to how I approach not only money, but what I believe I will do or what I hope to do when I have money. 
I think is also a big thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought in the cultural aspect of that because, you know, we are who we are based on, you know, how we were raised mm-hmm. and the lessons mm-hmm. we've learned. And, and mm-hmm. I love that, you know, you, you've shared, you know, some of the sayings and I, I love the, <laughs> I love the superstition around the paycheck. I think that is absolutely fantastic. I mean, and when you you know think about that, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty powerful statement to a young person. Mm-hmm. And part of it, the way, at least the way I'm interpreting it is, you know, it's, it's a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. It's showing Definitely. that you did work and it can be done again. Mm-hmm. Like if, if something were to go awry, mm-hmm. there's evidence, there's actual physical evidence that you have made money and that mm-hmm. it is there, which I think is such a powerful statement to the whole universe. You know, <laughs> if, if you want to talk about, you know, that, I mean, I can go on a, a whole tangent about that, but what that's really instilling in a young person is that there's value in, in work. There's, there's value in making mistakes. There's value every step of the way, no matter what kind of bumps might show up. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I think that is just a really powerful <laughs> piece to this. And, and I, the way it shapes you is mm-hmm. really bringing and driving home a very strong sense of who you are authentically as a person being aligned with a greater sense of, you know, your, your soul's purpose, mm-hmm. you know, economically and, and as a functioning human being. And I think mm-hmm. that is tremendously important. You know, when we look at everything going on around us right now, mm-hmm. I think it's really hard right now to separate ourselves as individuals in terms of what's going on collectively mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. I think individually now we feel more connected to everybody else around us because yes. of the world that is now 2020. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And, you know, the, the altruistic part of me really, really believes that this is a, a paradigm shift, a shift in energy that is really going to change the way people view their lives, you know, giving a, us a really great time of self-reflection. You know, am I, am I doing what I should be doing? Do I, mm-hmm. do I actually like my work? Mm-hmm. Um, is it meaningful? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is money the be all to end all? You know, we, mm-hmm. we need money. To, to pay mm-hmm. bills, to live, you know, to pursue mm-hmm. our personal mm-hmm. goals of happiness. And mm-hmm. I'm certainly not one to ever say that, you know, any financial goal, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody and it's not illegal, is, mm-hmm. is a bad goal to have. I, I talked to plenty of people who are like, you know, when I'm 50, I want to retire on a 40-foot yacht. <laughs> that is fantastic. I want you mm-hmm. to go get that for you. You know, mm-hmm. one of the greatest things about being a, a human is that we are – we are generally limitless. Mm-hmm. We do get to write our own story, our own money story, our own love stories. We we get we are the authors of that. And mm-hmm. when we can take time to reflect on how our experiences growing up, the things we want now, the things we think we want might want five minutes from now, mm-hmm. five years from now, all of those things really start to shape how we believe individually. And then giving that extra consideration to how it fits into the greater collective is Mm-hmm. incredibly important. And I think, I think the shift in the way we view money is going to align with exactly what's going on. You know, I, I think so much of what's going on right now is a complete mirror into the way people are feeling about themselves and, and really yeah. trying to find some, some sense of happiness and how that translates into 
you know, and I had a conversation yesterday with another uh, therapist and I, and I <laughs> use, and I use the word happiness and mm-hmm. happiness. He, he kind of called me out on it. He says, really, Erica, he says happiness. I'm like, yeah, everybody should be happy. Everybody should have the freedom to, to, to choose their own adventure. Right. And he right. Says, you know, he says, I think the better word right now is resilience. And I'm like, you know what? It really struck a chord with me. Developing a sense of happiness versus a sense of resilience, especially mm-hmm. as we, we talk about navigating changes, especially mm-hmm. in a time in your life where there's lots of external changes, but changes that are going on with you as an individual, you know, graduating, all of those things, searching for mm-hmm. a job, starting an internship and trying to forge mm-hmm. your financial path. Mm-hmm. I think resilience is a better word to use in, in place of happiness right now, because I think the, the more resilient you learn to become, the more centered, the more focused you become on, on who you are, who you want to be and who you're going to be. And mm-hmm. happiness in turn will, will follow because you'll, you'll have established a better sense of, of who you are and a more meaningful purpose to your life. Instead mm-hmm. of just pursuing happiness as a goal, whether it be mm-hmm. you know, financial or otherwise, pursuing mm-hmm. resilience is a much stronger statement. And so now as you're, as you're transitioning, you know, finding financial resilience and what that looks like for you could be a very interesting way to start formulating and kind of honing your broader financial goals into more actionable right. steps that align mm-hmm. with, with who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And what that means for you in your life. So let's talk for a minute about taking your broader financial goals. You know, mm-hmm. one of those you mentioned was, you know, being financially independent. Well, financially independent, just like everything else, could could have a million different meanings depending on who you're mm-hmm. talking to. So, <laughs> so, so what does financial independence mean to you personally? And you don't have to and this consider this more like a brainstorming session. No answer is a wrong answer. Again, financial <laughs> independence, you might be, I want a 40 foot yacht and retire at 50. <laughs> For you, it might be, you know, being in a position, you know, to take care of, of your sibling, you know? So let's, yeah. let's talk about what, what that looks like for you. Financial independence. I definitely think really, really for me, just being able to hold my own, um, I do want to hopefully, like in the future when I'm hopefully, you know, employed and actually making, you know, getting a steady source of income and such, I do worry about, I guess, excess and where that would go. Because I feel that when you achieve, I feel like for me, when I think about the future and, you know, attaining some sense of financial stability and independence, I think naturally I think of, well, there's probably going to be, you know, money that, you know, can be going to places other than just back to myself, you know, other than me spending, you know, to buy, you know, personal things. And like you mentioned, I definitely think my sense, my idea of financial independence would speak to being able to provide for my family. And I think a lot of 
kids of immigrants would also say the same. I would definitely want to be able to, you know, take care of my parents once they've retired and, you know, take care of my sibling who has a disability. I think these things are things that I would hope to be able to accomplish with my, quote, financial independence. But, you know, at the same time, you know, one of my favorite, one of my, you know, goals in life is to be a well-traveled person, you know, and obviously, you know, that takes money and it's definitely not something that is a priority, but, you know, I recognize that I can't single-handedly, you know, solve the world's problems and all that. And that there is no reason, there's no substantial enough, there's no substantial enough reason for me to, you know, feel guilty about, you know, wanting to go on a trip with my sister, with my family to a country that I've never, you know, explored or visited before. I think, I do think that's completely valid. And I do think that's completely healthy. And so I guess, you know, having the freedom to do all of these things to, you know, be able to support my family. And also, you know, just with if there is any excess at all, to be able to use that to have, you know, time for myself to, you know, explore the world and explore even the different states of America, that kind of thing. I think (laughs) that is kind of my, the things that I think about when I think about financial independence. And also, I guess, probably owning a home, though, it's something I think I probably worry the most about because I live in the Bay Area. Though I do definitely, my my mom actually brought this up just recently, you know, with COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything going on. You know, there's always these high-rise apartments being built in San Francisco. And I, although, you know, construction has resumed largely, this new wave of work from home and remote work, you know, people are in entirely different states sometimes. Like I know, I know of someone who's working all the way in Glendale, which is down in SoCal, but their job is technically here in San Francisco. And so, you know, thinking about that kind of thing moving forward, that being, that likely being the new way we see work and how we operate, you know, everywhere in every industry, public and private, that also opens a lot of doors. And I think inherently then also opens up a lot of doors, financially speaking, because I guess if that is to be the case, if that is to be the future, then like you mentioned before, that kind of issue of not not being able to do the work that I want to do, I think might not be as much of an issue as before, in terms, not in terms of looking for employment, because that will definitely be an issue, I think. But, you know, I could potentially have a job that is actually based in New York, or maybe even a different country. But, you know, still live here with the family or near the family, which is what I hope. And so those are just some things I think I associate or think about when I think of financial independence, especially during this time. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things one of the things that stands out about you in particular 
is that you have a very healthy sense of, <laughs> of who you are and what your values are and that it is okay to do with your money what you want to do. I talk to so many people who are just so guilty. You know, they, they have decent mm -hmm. salaries, their bills are paid, mm -hmm. they put money mm -hmm. into whatever mm -hmm. savings or retirement, and then they have this excess you mentioned, right? Right. And they're like, what do I do with it? I feel like I should save it. My first mm -hmm. question is, well, are you having any fun with it? <laughs> What's exactly what is fun? Like, we're not supposed to have fun with money. Yes, we are. We are yeah, supposed to It's why to we work. Live. <laughs> it is why we work. And there exactly. is such this convoluted idea out there that, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing that is more gross to me than the idea of working, 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 working to retirement right. and then right. enjoying it when you retire. Right. There is so much room mm -hmm. in this lifetime to enjoy mm -hmm. things along the way. And it takes, you I know, agree. some deliberate decisions you know, and, and planning to make that happen, mm -hmm. but it can be done. There is no need for self-induced deprivation. I, I totally agree. And um, finding your way to that is, is key. Something I'm, I actually took a class back in maybe like a year, a year or so ago. And it was about, the course was called Agitational Communication. And it was about, you know, civil disobedience, protesting, and something my professor had posed to us is, do you wish that everyone in the world was an activist? Do you wish that everyone in the world was, you know, so devoted to those kinds of things? And I think it's, you definitely, I definitely wish that, you know, you know, social justice and these issues of inequity and inequality were on everyone's mind but what kind of world would it be if you know everyone you know was I guess the same and that's why I think that's I guess tangentially related but I definitely think that's why I don't necessarily have these sentiments of guiltiness or you know, shame if I were to, you know, spend my savings on to go, for example, on a trip with on a vacation with, you know, family or friends. I definitely think that's something that, like you said, is something that we've lost sight of that, you know, for these 40 hour work weeks, people working overtime, many people have to even have multiple jobs just to make ends meet what is all this productivity in the end for you know to make this money if it's not going to be spent to essentially live the life that we want to live mm -hmm. and of course it's more complicated than that in the it world is. it is um, sure it's a lot more convoluted than we would like but at the end of the day like you said what is the point of working 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 uh, i definitely i definitely agree with that kind of perspective definitely you know and it could be because when we when you are talking about you know this class you're taking and you know and that that question that your professor you know posed to all of you you know there is so much contrast in this world mm -hmm. right and you know i think the protests and social activism are absolutely a perfect example of that contrast that exists and it exists everywhere but this is a perfect and timely example of that if we didn't have contrast, mm -hmm. 
how would we know? Mm -hmm. How would we know what we need to do better? How would we, how would we know that, that change needs to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, in in these particularly dark times, that contrast Mm -hmm. serves as shining this giant flashlight on things that could get better. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that is beautiful and heartbreaking Mm -hmm. at the same time. But Mm -hmm. that's, you know, beautiful and heartbreaking. Those two words themselves are a contrast. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think it's also very important because I think the individual aspect seeing yourself as an individual I think is important because and especially during these times because both in terms of financially like what money you have because ultimately you are just one person and you know there's systems and institutions of power and wealth and you know there are extremes that we've come to that need to be addressed and I think you know that kind of thing needs to be addressed but like you said it's very contrasted and financially speaking you know when you think about the money that a one person may have versus you know others or you know organizations or groups of people I think that's why it's important to not harbor those feelings of guilt because you do what you can and then try to do more but I think it's no there's no I don't think it's at all in in any way productive to not want to enjoy the life that you have because yeah you do only live once (laughs) you do you know and, and taking that that contrast and saying okay you know I've got this going on over here and I've got this going on over here mm-hmm you you standing in the middle of that contrast and saying, where are, where am I at an individual level? Where mm-hmm. are my right. values? What is right. meaningful to me? And, you know, stuff that is meaningful to you is not going to be meaningful to others. We see that every day, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can take what is meaningful to you and you can help yourself and others mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. decisions you make, financial or otherwise. Right. If that is important to you and going forward for you, you recognize that, you know, the environment we live in right now, post COVID for, you know, both, you know, private and public, you know, corporate entities, it's, it's changing mm-hmm. the way the world works. You have a very healthy right. approach in what you said, and I'm paraphrasing is maybe I don't have to worry about buying a house in the Bay area. I might not even be in the Bay area. You know, I have a mm-hmm. very good friend of mine who is in IT and she decided to move to Thailand because she loves Thailand and wants to be there for a couple <laughs> years. And her company is, is based um, in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, there are options that are going to exist now that didn't exist before because of, again, of the contrast that has, that has happened, the, the, the change. Mm-hmm. And, and the absolute most important thing to remember going forward is recognizing where you are in that contrast, figuring out what brings most meaning to your life, both mm-hmm. from a, you know, financial and, and personal perspective, and taking small actionable steps to get you where you want to go. It's not going to do you any good right now worrying about whether you're going to be able to buy a house in the Bay Area five years from now, will it? Is that, is that something you want to worry about right now? 
<laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. But what you can control again, this, this comes back to that idea of what you can control is mm-hmm. looking for a way to take the experience you've learned in your internship, parlay that into an employment opportunity, whether it's with the, the company that's offering you the internship or parlaying mm-hmm. that experience into a really amazing cover letter for another <laughs> position that you're interested in and being able to articulate that and put yourself on the path to meeting some of these you know, broader goals you have as you defined financial independence and what that means to you as it aligns mm-hmm. with your values, your upbringing, and what is important to you now and what you think will be important in the future. And I say mm-hmm. what you think will be in the, what you think will be important in the future. I say that with some of a grain of salt because I know at my age now, what was important to me at your age is no longer important. <laughs> Those things change and it's okay. You should have evolving financial goals and your micro goals along the way should evolve. And if you can trust yourself enough to know that, you know what, it's okay. It is okay to change your mind Mm -hmm. at any point. It is okay to change your mind. Mm -hmm. What's most important is, is sticking to who you are and what you value and keeping your your focus on, on who you are as a person and the things that you are doing every day that make you want to do better and become mm-hmm. what I'm talking about in, in this terms of financial resilience. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I'm doing right now, is that going to make me happy in the future? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It seems like mm-hmm. it will now, but will it make me financially resilient? Will right. I have enough leeway to pivot if mm-hmm. I don't like this particular internship mm-hmm. and I don't want to stay at this company, well, I can translate that experience to another opportunity that, that more aligns with, with your heart and, and truly what would maybe ultimately make you, you know, financially independent in your definition. Your definition right. is always going to be entirely different from somebody else's. And anytime you find yourself dealing or grappling with, you know, feelings of guilt or worry that's a mm-hmm. time for you to take pause and reflect on why you're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Again, don't, don't keep your head in the sand, you know, keep, keep your, keep your financial wits about you and, and I try definitely to think, remain. I definitely think one thing that I think I do worry about, and I, I, it really came to mind when um, hearing you speak being, I think maybe I will, maybe I have, and maybe I will continue to, because it's inevitable to, I guess, kind of have maybe conflict about, you know, meeting people who do have different, you know, ideas of financial independence, stability, financial resistance as you, resilience as you'd like to call it. And I wonder what is the best way to really go about, you know, meeting people, especially having people who are close to you who just don't have the same, you know, ideas for, you know, not only money, but how they use the money, how they don't use their money, their ideas of money and their own personal finance. I'd like to know, I I guess I was, I'm curious to know what your thoughts on that are. You know, that's an important thing to think about. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're considering that. I'm a big fan of Dale Carnegie. I don't know if you've ever read his book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But in the, in the very first chapter, he talks about, or in the first part of the book, he talks about the three C's. 
and he suggests never, never criticizing, condemning, or complaining. And mm-hmm. I think, and I, and I, I hold that somewhat true in my daily life mm-hmm. because, you know, you are going to have opinions come at you all the time. Right. You're going to have questions. You know, why are you do, doing this? It could be from your friends, mm-hmm. it could be from your parents, any mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. The, 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 in my opinion, the, the best way, the most healthy way to deal with that is to, you know, kind of take an objective step back, especially because we know, you know, you get those you know, intuitive feelings in the pit of your, your stomach, you know, you've got this gut feeling and my hair on the back of your neck is sticking up and, and that's your, <laughs> that's your ego talking and saying, okay, something isn't, something isn't sitting right. Okay. Right. And so it's your job to control yourself. Again, we can't right. control you know, other people are external factors, right? Right. We can't control what other people do or say or desire. Mm-hmm. And so what you can do is help quiet your internal you know, yellow light, you know, that flashing light mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when things like that happen, if something rubs you the wrong way, or it, mm-hmm. again, it has you take some pause or you've got, like you mm-hmm. mentioned that tug and pull, mm-hmm. it's, it's really good to kind of sit back objectively, sit with your thoughts, do a little bit of reflection. And, mm-hmm. and instead of, you know, criticizing another people's opinion or complaining to another friend about, Oh gosh, can you believe that this is important to them? Or can you believe mm-hmm. that they don't think it's important to me or they think it's stupid or they think it's silly mm-hmm. or you know, or they, they think my goals are too big. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. how many people I know that, you know, they've been told that their goals are too big. There's no such thing. Your goals are your goals and your goals alone. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the, the third part of that is condemning other people for, for their, their beliefs. You know, we are all entitled to have our own beliefs, right? We mm-hmm. don't have to agree with them, but what mm-hmm. we can do is look at another person in love and, and hopefully, be able to, to quiet our own egos enough to understand that, Hey, we are on our own path. People are on their other, other, other paths. And you know what? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with getting off a parallel path with somebody that you don't want to walk with. That's true. It's really important to maintain financially healthy relationships around you or healthy Mm -hmm. relationships that support your, your financial goals around you. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I've got particular friends, you know, that, we're, we still remain friends, but we've agreed that we don't talk politics. <laughs> you know, there's there's boundaries and there's parameters and there's expectations that you can set in every relationship. And so knowing what your boundaries and your expectations are personally, which you will and will not tolerate in terms of, you know, people criticizing, condemning or complaining about you and what you value, you mm-hmm. can most certainly you can most certainly do that. Yeah. That was really helpful. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm really glad. I'm really, really happy. Do you have, I think I see that our, our time is, is getting close to the end here. So is there anything you want to say? Anything that remains on your mind? I guess just to further go into that topic of, you know, because I guess something I do find is important is, you know, not to only just challenge my own beliefs, but to help others challenge their own beliefs as well. And I guess that might, especially I think during this, given our circumstances right now, globally and socially in this country, I think, you know, our ideas of spending who we are giving our money to, like which 
what brands are we supporting with our money? What brands are we there by ignoring or failing to support by giving our money to other places? I think, I guess, what is how, what is a good way to approach, you know, not only just challenging my own beliefs of how I can spend money, but how others can spend their own money so that, you know, they might put it to quote better use or, you know, put it, pay it forward in some sense, you know? Sure. So I I love this. I love the idea of challenging ourselves and maybe being a beacon of change to to challenge somebody else. Right. Right. You know, and I, I think that's been, I think that's key to anybody's true personal growth and development financially or otherwise is right. being open to, to challenging mm-hmm. your own beliefs when, you know, when you're faced with, with some of these things, you know, what are the things I truly believe in, mm-hmm. you know, is there room? It's mm-hmm. about giving, it's about giving yourself and others space to explore in a safe way. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I, you know, I'd asked you earlier about, you know, the, the types of financial mentors you've had in your life. You know, it's, it's truly, you know, so much of, of our growth as individuals financially and otherwise is about finding people who challenge you right. who are willing to have right. tough conversations who you feel safe with and say, you right. know what, I don't understand this aspect of things. Why, mm-hmm. why do so many people care about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't see anything wrong when it's done in a very appropriate kind, compassionate way, you know, if, if somebody says to you, you know, I just don't understand, you know, why it's important to spend money at this company instead of this company. And that Mm -hmm. might be something you have a strong belief in. Mm -hmm. You could simply say to that other person, you know, as a way to maybe help, you know, get them thinking in a different, you know, different way. Well, you know what, a couple years ago, I saw X, Y, Z. Would you like to hear my thoughts on it? Right. And just offer a little bit of a, of a crack of a door. And if they mm-hmm. want to walk through it, mm-hmm. help them walk through it. If they don't want to walk mm-hmm. through it, that's okay. And there mm-hmm. might be times where you don't feel like walking through a door. Mm-hmm. But when you do come across situations like that, where you find yourself hesitant to walk through a door, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that might come from, you know, okay, okay I've got this excess of money. And I'm Mm -hmm. not sure where to even start with investing or any of those things. You might find yourself kind of tightening up a little bit and be like, I don't, I don't know. Should I be doing this? Should I not, you know, is, you know, is this company, I I mean, should I be investing in companies that are owned by women or Mm -hmm. any of those things or are they sustainable? Mm -hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. see that all the time and it's growing increasingly important to investors (laughs) to invest their money in causes they support at a very mm-hmm. you know, individual level. And so mm-hmm. you know, my advice is to anytime you, you are kind of hit that roadblock is to do as much research as you can, you know, by yourself and find mm-hmm. opportunities and create opportunities for yourself to learn more about whatever, you know, topic that has got you a little bit, you know, stuck, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and when I say stuck, it's a challenge. It's again, going back to this aspect of financial resilience, it's, it's managing that it's managing, not just, you know, you yourself, but it's also managing these external factors. 
and, and right. trying to figure out how they fit into your personal value system, including, you know, how you invest your money, what companies you want to spend your money with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe at some point, you know, sharing your thoughts and feelings with other people. Right. Yeah. Because how do, how, do we, how do we learn best? We learn from our peers and we learn from the people who are around us. So it's important to be, uh, it's important to be a safe person for other people because you never know when somebody's going to need you to be a mentor too. Remember that. Okay. Yeah. That, was, that was very good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you. This was so much fun. <laughs> I know this is it was a lot of fun um I'm so glad I got this opportunity I'm so happy to have met you and have had this opportunity to speak with you about all these things money can be a a very taboo topic and especially in some cultures so I really appreciate this time that you took to speak with me about this